0: Hey everyone, I'm Amy Ferguson, and welcome to the Compliance Insider Podcast, brought to you by Compliance Systems. The Compliance Insider brings you discussions about industry developments that impact your financial institution, with expert guests and analysis to help you navigate change and evolve your business. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Compliance Insider Podcast. In this episode, we'll focus on some recent developments in cryptocurrency and look at their impact on financial institutions. Today we'll be speaking with Stephen Vandelier and Liesl Servan, both attorneys with Compliance Systems product teams who help manage our lending solution. Thank you Stephen and Liesl for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I want to start with the White House's executive order in March on cryptocurrency and distributed ledger technology. Stephen, can you take us through what's going on more broadly at the federal level?
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Amy. Well, uh, just for some context, um, the U S government currently views cryptocurrency as a threat to consumers, to the environment, and also as a threat for terrorism and money laundering due to its anonymity, cross-border functionality and limited ability to enforce laws. But today uh, the technology lacks regulatory oversight. So the government's attempting to address this in November, 2021, Uh, the Fed, FDIC, and OCC issued a joint statement announcing interagency policy sprints designed to address cryptocurrency. And these sprints were focused on things like crypto asset custody services, facilitation of customer purchases and sales of crypto assets, and loans collateralized by crypto assets. More recently, um, the White House has issued an executive order in March which instructed several agencies to put together an effort to research and recommend a potential U.S. central bank digital currency. And this would essentially change the game completely. If the U.S. were to have a digital currency that flows through the Treasury, then banks would potentially become custodians of the CBDC, rather than custodians of customers' paper dollars. And the CBDC would be guaranteed in the same manner as U.S. dollars, but would be controlled differently and perhaps on a U.S. government-controlled blockchain. The CBDC would also be legal tender and would be money. But you'd only be able to use it on the blockchain. You wouldn't be able to go to the ATM and take it out for example. So as far as what we can expect going forward, there's potential for a US central bank digital currency pegged to the US dollar, regulation possibly on how cryptocurrency can be held at custodian banks and how it can be pledged as collateral, certainly some reporting requirements on digital assets, and maybe restrictions on digital coin mining operations and their energy consumption.
2: We should also point out that there are many investors who have lost money and are now waiting for new regulations. And there's definitely been some interesting civil litigation that's underway right now. And it's all coming from different perspectives. So for example, there's um, some lawsuits that have been filed related to tort claims, false promises being made factually impossible representation targeting unsophisticated investors, but on the other hand, there are also lawsuits with allegations that some of these crypto agencies are operating as unregistered security exchanges. And it truly all ties back to why the White House is so concerned about crypto, and it's because it's risky for consumers.
0: Just a level set here, um, what type of asset is cryptocurrency? Is it an investment vehicle or is it really currency?
2: Well, crypto is a digital representation of value that people exchange through a blockchain. It operates somewhat like currency, but it doesn't have the legal tender status like Stephen was mentioning. The IRS currently classifies that as personal property for tax purposes, but it can also be a security. So, the SEC has taken the position that crypto issued as part of an initial coin offering or an ICO is an investment contract and would fall under article 8 of the uniform commercial code and so it would be need, it would need to be registered with the SEC otherwise in a secured transaction under article 9 of the UCC crypto falls into the definition of a general intangible but there are two alternate systems emerging to define crypto under Article 9. We're going to call those the Arkansas system and the Wyoming system. So under the Arkansas system, crypto is still a general intangible, but giving it a specific definition and perfection rules. Under the Wyoming system, crypto is a subcategory of a new digital asset category with specific definitions and perfection rules.
0: So can we just quickly take a step back for just one second? Um, Liesl, you mentioned blockchain, that crypto is exchanged through a blockchain. Can someone explain what that looks like?
1: Yes, Amy, I can take that one. Um, Basically, blockchain is a network of computers that are all linked together on a chain, and all computers on the chain verify crypto transactions independently and unanimously. It's a digital ledger system recording all the information for digital transactions. But no one computer is controlling any transaction. And this is what makes blockchain such a trusted system. It's virtually impossible to make unauthorized transactions.
0: Let's focus just a little bit more on why a lender or a potential custodian cares about this. Um, How do you perfect a security interest in virtual currency?
1: So if virtual currency is a general intangible, that means it can only be perfected by filing a financing statement in the jurisdiction where the debtor is located. So in states that haven't modified their uniform commercial code, a lender would have to file a financing statement to perfect their interest. However, in states that have adopted the Arkansas system, a lender could perfect either by filing or obtaining possession via control, and under the Wyoming system, control is required to perfect a security interest in crypto. Right now, control looks like a multi-party agreement with the digital wallet custodian to protect against unauthorized transfers.
0: Why might a lender be interested in knowing how to collateralize cryptocurrency, even if they don't currently have a cryptocurrency lending product?
2: Lenders should be aware that crypto can be a large asset of the borrower, and without a perfected security interest in the borrower's crypto, they may not have priority against another creditor or bankruptcy trustee. So it's beneficial for lenders to secure crypto assets when they're taking an all-assets approach to lending. Um, Some lenders may not be interested in securing solely crypto loans, so this is really important for those all-asset loans that you truly are capturing and perfecting that piece of their assets.
0: All right. So let's finish up by talking deposits. Um, What developments do we see that are impacting or really should be impacting deposit operations?
2: Well, Amy, that's an interesting question. Consumers are really looking to their banks and credit unions as their trusted institutions to assist them in the purchase, holding, and selling of cryptocurrency. And institutions should be aware of the fast-moving developments in the cryptocurrency landscape. So some institutions are helping provide alignment between their customers and crypto fintech partners. They may provide access to a digital wallet through their websites or mobile applications and facilitating those transactions with single sign-on technology. Interest from an interest-bearing account or rewards debit card can be more easily transferred from a deposit account to a digital wallet or the flow may go in the other direction, with the proceeds from selling crypto being deposited back into a depository account. It's about enablement at this stage, and generally institutions aren't handling the cryptocurrency themselves or taking on the headaches about the security of the crypto.
0: So consumers can benefit from the convenience of a single sign-on for their digital wallet.
2: Is there a downside to that? One of the things we've been hearing is that single sign-on may be blurring the lines between what an institution is responsible for and what the crypto partner is responsible for. If something goes wrong with the wallet app, or if the value of the crypto plummets, there's more chance that consumers are going to assume that they can get some kind of support or remedy directly from their financial institution. And we should point out that the consumer is signing a term of service agreement with the third-party provider. That agreement is there to protect the third party not the financial institution. But going back to the March executive order and the instructions to research and recommend a potential U.S. central bank digital currency, here in the deposit world, a CBDC would be transformative. Banks would potentially become custodians of the CBDC rather than custodians of the consumer's paper dollars. And the CBDC would be guaranteed in the same manner as the U.S. dollar is legal tender but still subject to the controls of the blockchain for transactions. And that would dramatically change the relationship between institutions and the consumers
0: leveraging crypto. All right. Well, thanks, Liesl and Steven. This gives us a lot to think about. You've been listening to The Compliance Insider, a podcast about industry developments impacting banks and credit unions. Thank you for choosing this episode. Please follow Compliance Systems on LinkedIn and Twitter for more news.